hopeless for love and a unique adventure. He's just a little too vanilla. A mansion sitter to the celebs lands a fresh gig for a mysterious client. Where is it? It's the freaking boondocks out here. Cut off from the outside world. I can't hear you, you're cutting out. Menaced by a mysterious presence. <sighs> and introduced to a new reality. Look at all this cool bondage stuff. The Assignment. Watch this series now at gemweathers.com. We are proud to be the official podcast of FetishCon, and we want you to join us in St. Petersburg, Florida, August 8th through 11th, 2024. The trade show brings together models, producers, industry leaders, and fans from all over the world, and brings you great classes in kink or how to become an industry professional. You can get all the details at fetishcon.com. The following is a presentation of Dating Kinky, built by kinksters for kinksters, poly, queer, trans folk, and anyone not quite vanilla. And it's free. season of presenting personalities as their authentic selves. This is What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, presented by Dating Kinky, the official podcast of FetishCon. It's an intimate conversation with people inside the kink and fetish worlds, as well as other educators and sex-positive personalities sharing their stories of what makes them who they are. And now, here is your host, John, or as they are known in the kink and fetish communities. Hi there, Catsuit. Hello there, Nookie, and to our listeners, welcome. We are approaching our 200th show next week, but number 199 is indeed a blockbuster. Before we get to our guest, a request, if I may. If you've been a fan of this show or just discovering us, Please take the time to go give us a rating and review, either on Apple or on Spotify. There's a good reason why I ask you to do this. Number one, it helps other people discover the show. And number two, I need to know that I'm doing the right thing so I can continue to bring you the shows that I have been able to in these 199 episodes. This has always been a labor of love for me, and it has given me some amazing opportunities, but even more so, it's allowed me to share the stories of these amazing people with you, my listening audience. I don't know how big an audience I have, but I do get the feedback and the beautiful positive words from so many people. 
and I'd really appreciate it if you shared those words. If you would subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already, if you would give us a review on Apple, if you'd give us a rating of whatever you think we deserve on Spotify, it would mean the world to me and actually be kind of my holiday present from you, if you don't mind. My holiday present to you as we approach the holiday season is an interview with a legendary bondage rigger. Of course, rigger would be just one term you would use for this man who is one of the best artists in his craft. Lou Rubens has known he was kinky his whole life, but at a later age, he discovered he could live in that world and bring his love for tying up lovely women to the public. Beginning with his life in the state of Washington where he got his start, working with the legendary model, the late Maria Shadows, to his present day work with the who's who of top models, as well as running his Lubari store, which is full of imaginative toys. It's been a life of discovery that continues now more than ever. Lou Rubens on what women and other wonderful humans want. What was the genesis of what made our guests who they are? We begin that journey with the first five. Five questions about firsts. First time you ever picked up a rope to tie up a woman, and what were you thinking when you did? Well, there's only one tiny little piece of that that I'll have to change because of the timeline. She wasn't a woman yet. Oh! This goes back to age four. I was four. She was four. I don't know why I wanted to do bondage with her, but she agreed to it, and we hunted around and found little pieces of clothesline laying around. I uh, don't remember her name at all, but I remember exactly what she was wearing after all these years. But that was my first bondage experience with a woman, with a girl. I was four. She was. I find that I find that totally fascinating because my first knowledge of bondage came from being old enough to watch the original Batman series. There we go. And I knew that when Catwoman was tying up Batman, I was like, hmm. It just kind of grabs your attention if you're if you're prone to that kind of thing, doesn't it? Absolutely. First time you ever tied up a woman and saw it in a picture and said, Oh, you know, hmm, my I might want to do this for a while. My own tie in a picture? Or or the first mm -hmm. my own tie in a picture. Oh jeez. Yeah. Let's see. That would have to be. Uh, that was definitely what I call pre-kink too. So all my life has been kinky. Uh, I've never had a choice on that. Uh, but it wasn't official until I got it, the internet going and stuff like that. But every lover I played with, sex had bondage with sex had to happen or it doesn't work for me. It never did. So, the, But we love to take pictures. So remembering who I first took a picture of when she was bound, that's a trickier question. That's a new one. I love that you found a new question. Because uh, I've <laughs> done a lot of this, these kinds of things. And uh, this is kind of fun. So how far back for the first picture? Oh. Uh, I guess it would be. I guess it would be. Vicky. Yeah, Vicky was the early days. Uh, we 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 uh, did often did. Uh, we switched actually too. 
she would take pictures. She would tie <laughs> me up and take pictures of me. I'd tie her up and take pictures of her. And uh, then we moved to video after that with a big old busy I actually sent one to Jay Edwards, who was my hero uh, in the early days and, and had him look at my video. And he was nice enough to reply and and said that the bondage is good. The girl was hot. Your video qualities. He actually gave me a, a, a critique <laughs> of the very first thing that I ever took as far as video stuff. First time you ever met Maria Shadows and what she meant to you. Oh, oh that is interesting, too. Right before I met her. I, I found my first scene. And after I walked by the outside of the tavern several times trying to get myself to go in to talk to these weirdos, I finally got in there. And when they found out I was into bondage, they all looked at each other and go, oh, I know who we... And the other girls shut them down, shut, shut down the conversation because she was in a relationship with somebody already. And they knew that she would be leaning towards a bondage. She was in a relationship with a whip guy, but she's a bondage freak. And they knew I was bondage. And right away, they were setting me up with her. And and she wasn't there at the time. But uh, when I finally did see her, I already knew that she liked it. And the friends were trying to keep me away from her. And she was doing a single, single tail uh, scene with this other guy. And I knew nothing about anything at that point. Wow. Yeah. First time you set foot into the House of Gord with Jeff, and what did you two talk oh about? Oh, my God. So my first interaction with Gord wasn't at his house. It was at a party. And I started telling these friends about this guy named Gord that I saw magazines of in one of my dirty little bookstores. And I started telling them how I wanted, I read every detail in that magazine, trying just learning everything I possibly could because it was so new. I wasn't part of the scene when I first did that. Though and and I looked in the very back of the magazine and there was a, a an address in Bremerton, Washington, and I went and tried to hunt him down. Oh, it it, it was all it was was a wear, empty warehouse, so I never got to find it. But I'm telling these guys this at a party, a party in Seattle, and this the guy I'm talking to says, "Oh, just a minute," and he turns around and taps this guy on the shoulder, and he turns around and it's Gord. And I'm like a tongue-tied little schoolboy. Hi, I'm not even Lou Rubens yet. And I got to meet Gord, <laughs> and we started talking. Uh, we had lots of interactions after that, but that was the first time, and it was amazing to me. When was the first time you saw a published work of yours? And what were you thinking when you saw it? I saw my published work. Let's see. So we took pictures. It was well before Fat Life. So the only thing that was published of me before that was the actual videos that we did that went up on our store. And I felt like my dreams were coming. Actually, I felt like my dreams were coming true. Uh, but I had no idea how true they were going to come yet. Yeah, It was an amazing thing to, to like... I joked for years, and I still do, that I pinch myself, and I'm so glad it hurts because I must be awake. <laughs> <laughs> that is a perfect segue into our first break where we'll be pinching ourselves indeed. And when we come back, 
on what women and other wonderful humans want, presented by Dating Kinky, with special thanks to kinkstermerch.com. More with Lou Rubens and his incredible journey when we return. For more than three years, we have presented this podcast as a labor of love without paid advertisers. We do this as we want to give back to this wonderful community for all the gifts it has given us. If you want to financially support our efforts, please visit bit.ly slash thanks catsuit and give what you can to help Catsuit travel, teach, and bring you great in-person interviews. We will give you that address again later in the show. Now, here are some words from Catsuit's friends about things you should know about. Hi, Catsuit. Thank you so much for sharing your wholesome space with the team of Fetish Bacchanal. Sparkle the Brat and I, Goddess Alanis, will be hosting a three-day Kinkfield retreat in Jamaica, June 28th to the 30th, 2024. This is going to be an escape of a property with a cleansing mineral cave right in the heart of it. Follow at Fetish Bacchanal on Twitter for more updates on ticket links, vending, performances, and more. Craptaculous boundaries are not your fault. The more severe the dysfunction you experienced growing up, the more difficult boundaries are for you. David W. Earle. Or as Ms. Titania said, nobody ever warns you that when you come from dysfunction, a healthy mind can feel unsafe. We spend our lives being controlled by others, so we learn to control others. Or we allow others to control us in exchange for love. Learn more about Take No Shit. Build better relationships through discovering, creating, and maintaining healthy boundaries in three, sometimes five, simple steps at my.curiouser.life. Empowering designs for fetish models, doms, sex workers, or anyone else who needs to be seen as their authentic selves. Visit the What Women Want podcast store at Kingster Merch on Etsy to see those and other wonderful designs for all kinksters. Now, back to the show and more with our guests on What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. Thank you, Nookie, and welcome back to the program, joined by the amazing Lou Rubens. We had an opportunity to meet each other for the first time at FetishCon last year, got to talk a little bit more this year. And one of the things that I absolutely appreciated this year is the fact that you, Jim Hunter, and Ivan Boulder were there. And it was like watching legends walk around because you are people who are held in such high reverence as people who have been in this business for a long time and still do it to the point where people want to work with you. Because I'm sure there's a lot of producers that have come and gone because they thought they knew what was right rather than the models going, no, I like working with this person. How did you get that sort of reputation? Oh, that's a really good one. And it's something that I try to bring up for people who are getting started or or, or, or or trying to go anywhere with anything. And I would feel that 
the biggest part of me being lucky was coming into it at the age that I did. I didn't find any of this stuff until I was 42. And Wow. so I spent all 42 of those years. Well, okay, 40 uh, minus the four-year-old. I knew by the time I was four that I was terribly kinky. And then the world taught me that I was either a serial killer or a rapist or a sadist, and I had to hide it. My biggest fear all those 42 years was people finding out what I was. Wow. And I went from hiding it all my life. I believe it's part of what contributed me to me being an introvert. Uh, is my biggest fear the whole time. And, and I was just so damn thankful to, to come into this that I made up my mind from early times that I wasn't going to do anything to endanger my career at all because I loved this so much. And I was taking lessons from everybody. There's little stories that I told that, that illustrate why you don't need to fight with anybody in this for any reason whatsoever. And I'm just so thankful every second to be here because I suffered a lot for my kink growing up. And uh, that's the biggest reason I think that that I, I, I'm still thrilled. I still feel, feel like I'm just beginning and I treat everybody right. And and uh, I'm just so happy. It's a, it's a dream. It's beyond a dream. I wasn't able to come to grips with my coming out as kinky until I was almost 50. Um, I think it was because I was in a long marriage where she kink shamed the entire thing. And I spent my teenage years having an orgasm watching uh, Batman get tied up by Catwoman and not knowing what was going on. And spending the next years binging and purging, oh, I'm going to throw away the magazines. I just want to be normal. Oh, I miss them. I want to I, I want to see that again. And I had this whole journey of just wanting to be normal. And then I discovered normal doesn't exist. I believe what we don't even realize is the question should have been, are there others like me? But we were so sure that there wasn't, we didn't even ask ourselves that question. We just spent the time defending ourselves or hiding it from the world. And uh, and that's what the kink journey's all been all about. The internet made it easy for us to follow, find out about each other and find out we're not the only ones. And that's really what makes us more okay, I believe, with everything that we thought we needed to hide and feel guilty over for so long. Do you remember the moment when you knew you weren't alone? I had a general idea because I hunted down every bondage porn I could find. I lived, I grew up in Washington state and there were times when you couldn't even find bondage magazines on the adult store show stores in the seediest places ever. There was another period when they had them, but they were under the shelf and you had to ask for them and they watched you close as they handed you that magazine. So I had an idea that because these things were being sold and because I found bondage porn that I wasn't completely alone, but I was also sure that it was just people creating it for those few other people like me that might be out there. Actually, finding a way to meet them in this society where we're told all of that is wrong. You can't even ask to meet people. I don't understand how people did meet each other before before it was the internet. They did, 
but but I don't know how. But it, yes, it was a it was a scary time. I remember being in a bookstore in Dallas, Texas. I think it was called the Paris Bookstore on Harry Hines Boulevard, which is basically uh, adult entertainment row in Dallas. And I walked in and there was a magazine by Harmony called Beautiful Bondage Scenes with Maria Tortuga in a latex cat suit bound on a St. Andrew's cross. And when I saw that picture, it was the first time I'd ever seen a latex cat suit, and I was very much into second skin cat suits. It was the first time I saw a St. Andrew's cross. And it was the first time I saw a woman who genuinely looked like she was enjoying herself on it. Marxist for life. And I went, oh my God, I'm not uh, alone. Yes. And it's that aha moment that I think makes our love as powerful as it is. Yes. Because so many people told me, told me or, or told us that, no, this is wrong. But the fact is, I have lived my most authentic life since coming out as kinky. And I bet you could say the same too. 100%. Uh, there are people now that don't even believe I was ever introverted. All my first... <laughs> Classes started out like that. So easily I can still mm -hmm. revert. Can revert to the study <laughs> anytime because I was so nervous about it all the time. And people don't even believe I'm I'm introverted now because I think I'm the I, I'm not sure. I'm gonna go ahead and say this. So I believe I have become the me I was supposed to be before my old man beat the me out of me. Wow. A little bit heavy duty. I I wasn't sure it was too heavy for this mood, but these are the this is a line that I've used for a while. He's partly responsible for me being an introvert as well, but I feel like I'm becoming who I was supposed to be in this world. That's so beautiful, Lou. And the thing that I noticed when I first met you, seeing you at at your booth at FetishCon, and just seeing you hanging around your friends is you always have a smile on your face. You always look like you're up to something. <laughs> well, for one thing, <laughs> I, I am statement? usually up to something. And for the other thing, <laughs> yes, I'm so damn happy when I'm at those places. I, I joke about uh, how fast my smile muscles start to cramp up. It's not quite a joker thing where they cramp up and make me smile on the way. <laughs> my smile muscles do hurt at events. Because I'm so damn happy all the time. I, I really am. And it's a place where the people have let me out of my shell. And my shell, I was hiding so long in it and building up so many ideas. I still haven't gotten to half of them that I want to. So I always damn up to something. <laughs> Let's go back to the early days. The first time I discovered you was on House of Gore. Because of any of the fetish material or bondage porn that I'd ever seen house of gourd was the thing that made me just lose my mind as far as my imagination is concerned. And when I look at bondage porn and I've said it many times on the show, I'm not necessarily turned on by the look of the women. You know, if they're wearing cat suits, that's nice. I like that, but I want to be them. 
I don't want to see them tied up. I want to be the one that's tied up in that predicament, feeling what they're feeling, going through what their mindset is. I don't know how many of your fans look at yours that way. But I know that I have one of your videos bookmarked that I had from a while ago where it was one where you had nipple clamps on somebody and had tied their hair back. And I'm sitting going, oh, my God, to be in that predicament would be so amazing. How do you determine how good... Uh, What's the right kind of model to work with a Lou Rubens? Mm, that attitude. <laughs> that attitude is a very good place to start. Uh, I'm amazed how prevalent it is. Uh, almost nobody is watching with only the goal in the mind of seeing what's going on. Almost every every one of them want to be some form of it. Either the person I'm tying up or me doing the tying, they almost everybody has that common denominator. And as far as what types I like, uh, I, I will tie up almost anybody that wants to their first experience. But I really like the ones who I ask a lot of similar questions to the ones you're asking to find out how deep their love of it goes, where they come from. Uh, 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 how they were developed and, and the different answers that you get tell you the different depths of their kink. Uh, some only find it out recently uh, in their life. Some knew from the early days, but the common denominator is the, the feelings and desires they get from it, the, the, the satisfactions that they get from it. The uh, It's amazing to me. I couldn't do like, I'm a little bit of a switch. I have a little, maybe a five percenter that likes the bondage one. So, because I did so much self bondage growing up, mm. but but I'm mostly top, but but so I can feel people on both sides of it, and I and I understand it and uh, have a good clue on it, and the, the the ones that really love it. So that that was the deal when I first came into this stuff. I knew there was a bondage industry out there, and I was sure that most of the girls were doing it for money, and I found out hardly any are the consistent bondage models they tell me and they every one of them explained this to me because i would express my opinions my doubts and they said you can't do this stuff over and over and over again if you don't love it money or not it hurts too much if you don't like it and it's just too hard to do if you don't have a love for it and that was like the most amazing aha moment for me to find out almost every bondage model that does it loves it and so yeah you gotta love it or i'm not interested there is obvious there is obviously the the serotonin high the joy of being mm -hmm. but have there been some other emotions and feelings that people have shared with you that have surprised you as much as them telling you that they absolutely love it uh, there's a lot of depth in that question. I'm going to try to skirt around the edges of it. You let me know if I answered it well or not. One of the most amazing things to me is nobody ever really knows what's going to happen in a bondage shoot. Uh, even the person involved in it. 
Um, I, I call it one of my favorite things to do. I call it uh, searching for buttons. And people there people know about a lot of their buttons, but if they unless they're experienced in actual play, no matter what they think their buttons are, they're going to get surprised once in a while, and other buttons are going to show up. Some of those buttons are good. Some of those buttons are bad. But you never know what you're going to run into or when you're going, how you're going to run into it. Uh, uh, sometimes in the middle of a shoot, a girl or, or no, in, in the middle of play more often than shoot, because I'm very careful about shoots and what we get into mm -hmm. and how we get into it. But for play, you don't know a lot of times. And uh, I've had a, a couple girls that just freak out and go primal and start yelling and screaming. They need out of it. They're crying and they're not having fun anymore. Uh, just as much as they don't think they can come in front of people and find out that they have an exhibitionist side that they've never let out and they can. Uh, so many different things happen that you, you, you never really know what you're going to get into. And even the people that doing it don't understand it very well a lot of times until you go to certain levels, certain lengths. Was that somewhere close? Huh? That was beautiful. Okay. I have this strange sense of romance when it comes to fetish and bondage. And because I lived the life that I did, which was a no imagination marriage and a kink shamed marriage, sex was not a part of my thought process for many, many mm. years. Kind of ruined for me, mm. actually. But I have this romantic notion of a world that exists when the rest of the world goes away when we're in it. Nice. And that's what I love about bondage and being bound. There you go. Has nothing to do with the sex, has everything to do with the moment. Are there models that you work with that are wired like that? Quite a few, actually. I, I have to actually keep them present in video shoots when they want to go away and escape. I, the, that, that question uh, and that kind of thinking inspired some of my earlier, early, early uh, minor philosophical sayings that I, that I use in almost every bondage class that I teach, especially the beginning ones, I go, and some people like to be tied up to be picked on. Some people like to tie it up to just zone out and 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 go away to different places. Some people like a combination of both. Be be in tune to all of the things, because I I I call I call the I, I call it the freedom of bondage. Mm -hmm. How often are we totally free to do nothing? Almost never. When you're tied up. You can't do anything, so you don't have to do anything. And you can zone out into lands far, far away. And it's almost a sensory depth kind of thing that, that, that goes even deeper for people. I tell people, be in tune to that. Sometimes you're if you love to tie someone up to pick on them, give them the balance of tie them up and let them zone out. Find out what they like. Let them taste all the different things. And uh, there's an escape there that can't be had, I believe, almost anywhere else, even in a sensory depth tank. You're not as free as you are often when you're tied up. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that your mind is able to roam to so many places. 
but it's also free to roam to places that you haven't considered yet. It's almost as though the serotonin opens up this beautiful portal into things never imagined. Yes. And, and that says a lot because we spend a lot of our time imagining in our conscious days, but we're, we're doing it with a personality that was created in this country of not thinking that way. And mm -hmm. so we're only allowed to just go so far in our conscious minds. Once you get that feeling of escape, all kinds of other things come and go. You've been there. I can tell by the look in your eyes when you looked at it, when you asked mm -hmm. those questions. And, and so have I. And there's something different about that place than any other place in the world. Lou, the funny thing is when you see that look out of me, a lot of it is still imagining things. Because even though I've done nearly 200 episodes of this podcast, and I have talked to amazing people, my experience level isn't as high as many people would think it is. Then let me ask you a question. And it's because, it, yes. How long have you been playing in this kinky world with your podcasts? Uh, three years. How much play have you done in that time? I've done a lot more than I did before. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> that makes sense. But you still haven't uh, gone to the freedom of bondage place? Or not in the ways that you... I have on a... It's it's mostly pain for uh -huh. me uh, because I'm an impact person uh -huh. too. I want to be tied up, but there are very few rope tops that will work with a six foot four, 250 pound guy, especially when... Many of them are women and may not have the the strength to suspend me, but they'll do some amazing ground stuff with me. But my play has mostly been. I may impact. do something about it that. It started out as sensation. I hmm? may do something about that. All right. <laughs> if if I don't go there myself, I can help you find a way to get there. And this is one of my biggest joys: giving, giving. Everything's, I'm getting everything that I, I'm beyond anything I could have dreamed years ago. And so mm -hmm. this is just bonus time. And uh, when I find people I like, I like to help them be as happy as me if it's possible at all. We'll talk more. That sounds wonderful. <laughs> I, I'm going to go back and mention the, the woman that I mentioned in the first segment, because from what I remember of you, and the first time I got a chance to know your work was when you and Gord were working with Maria. And he called her your muse. Accurate statement, and why? Absolutely accurate, because she was the first one that I ran into that has a love of all of this as deep and maybe even deeper than me. And I didn't think that existed. I had the closed-minded viewpoint that, pardon me, all the women in the world, that women were not capable of feeling those things as strongly as men. Well, she made me eat those words, first <laughs> of all. Uh, one of the little things about the depths of Maria's uh, love of it all 
and I don't think there's anybody that's going to uh, be upset with me uh, letting this little piece out because I believe it helps all of us and everybody else coming is that she remembers masturbating at the age of four with her at face down with her ass up in the air. Hmm. And so she was that deep into it. And so once I realized that I couldn't tire as tight as she wanted to be tied, I couldn't tire as well as she would want to be tied. I, I wouldn't leave her tied as long as she wanted to be tied, uh, which all led to me being able to be completely free and open-minded, even more so than I've done since. I'll, I've tied up lots of bondage loving women, but she was the first one that set my mind completely free. If I could think it, she could do it. And we proved that over and over and over again. And it let all the things I'd been saving up for years and years come out and things that I could never even dream of come out. So, yeah, that, that was uh, I couldn't have had a better start. And she opened up your imagination to come up. I don't know, maybe Gord was an inspiration as well, but she opened up your imagination to come up with contraptions and predicaments that maybe nobody had thought of yet. And you're actually known for things like your Lubari box and the things that you, that came out of that wonderful mind of yours that I actually saw a Lubari box uh, in a dungeon the other day and I went, I know where nice. that's from. <laughs> yeah, so so many of those things came out. Uh, it, 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 there was actually an experience before Maria Shadows that, um, so in in the vanilla world, I couldn't have sex without bondage. So all the girlfriends had to do sex, and some did mm -hmm. it for me because they loved me, and and some did it because they liked it. But it was a it was a mixed match. The first relationship that I was in that was successful was that that she made me feel okay with being a bondage freak was right before I found the scene. And that's the Bicky word mm -hmm. that I used before. And mm -hmm. so we had a special time. She was the first one to start letting me out of my cage. I still had no idea the levels that Maria Shadows would take me to eventually, but a lot of it started in those days. Uh, she had two kids that would go to their dad every Wednesday. So Wednesday became fantasy night and I'd spend my whole week making up something evil for her. And a lot of those things were created in that day that I brought to kink. My short leg predicaments, I did several different kinds of short leg predicaments. The first one was done with Vicky. And I'm going to write all these. I have, uh, I have a series of, uh, titles of epic events that happened in my life that are all going to go into a book someday. Uh, I started just writing the titles and I'm a, and only the top epic ones uh, are, and there's 50 or 60 of them right now. And that Vicky was part of the one and that beginning of the predicament bonded stuff, the fantasy night started was the first freeing of my mind. So I had a lot of things that I carried, but when the whole world, lets me go out of my cage, then yeah, things go deeper than I could have even guessed. One of the people that was around for a lot of that, I have never mentioned her name on the podcast. And she was the first pro-dom that I ever got close to 
having a conversation with. And that was Lydia McLean. Lydia was the prototypical cat-suited dominatrix who had such an air about her that she was intimidating as hell. And I knew I had a mutual friend with her from the burlesque world who said to me, our mutual friend said, yes, you two should talk to each other. And then Lydia was like, I don't need to waste my time with people who don't understand. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go in my corner. Over here. <laughs> but you know exactly that era that I'm talking about. Talk to me about Lydia, because I'm just curious about how amazing this person was. So you're absolutely right there. Lydia is one of the most amazing people that I've still ever met. Um, we did lots of uh, shoots together in the early where she was uh, my bottom for, for a lot of the things. But I also knew she had a top side as well. And Lydia could do either one with all of her heart and soul. And, and I just respect her so much. Her, her brain is so freaking strong. And uh, the way she thinks and the respect that she has and shows and the patience. I just aspired to a lot of the things that Lydia, Lydia was capable of. I do love her dearly. Um, but there's little pieces of this that you can catch me on the side that I will talk to you about, but I'm not going to air her publicly on some of the smaller mm -hmm. details. So that's as far <laughs> as we're going with Lydia for now. And that's all you got <laughs> to say about that. <laughs> got it. You have worked with so many incredible people. The, na the names you've brought up before we started the podcast and even now, who are some of the people that you were in awe of working with when you got to work with them? I can think of two cases quickly right off the bat, off the top of my head. One is Jay Edwards and the other is Ashley Renee. So I threw the names out mm -hmm. so you remind me in case I lose my track anywhere. So I, I mentioned earlier that I sent a video to Jay Edwards a long time ago. The, the reason Jay Edwards is such a big deal in the bondage world because everything before him was sloppy garbage bondage. <laughs> the girls could just slip out. He was the first one that made it tight mm -hmm. and neat and just beautiful. Uh, and and, and yeah, so he inspired me terribly. And all those years later, I'm at a fetish con and Jay Edwards walks by. And I turned my head and looked and I go, oh, my God. Oh, my God. I, I wanted to be the biggest schoolboy. And so I... I, I I, I would try to track it. He would, he, I could never get close to him. I couldn't, I was too nervous to actually go up and talk to him or some, anything. But one time I was sitting at a table with people and he walked just by, by me and patted my shoulder a couple of times. And I about fainted. I, it was such a big deal to me. Since then, we've had short conversations once in a while. He's lighthearted and fun, but, but nobody's inspired. My bondage is taken directly from his videos. I hardly created anything myself. Uh, some of it, I couldn't tell what was happening in the videos. So I would make up my imagination of what he was doing there. So maybe I did create some of it that was unique. And it was actually uh, uh, Brian Davis who taught me a hair tie that I use and teach in all my classes that no one in the BDSM scene knew. I'm not even sure if how, that's how he did it because I didn't see him put it on. 
but I created my hair tie off of what he did. But so Jay Edwards, one of the biggest for sure. The other name was Ashley Renee. Uh, she was one of his models. Uh, Ashley Renee was voted bondage model of the century before the century changed. And she was just outrageous and the one that we all wanted the most. And when I came into the scene, I'd been doing it with Maria Shadows for a little while. She got in touch with me. And I'm going, oh, my God. And she invited us out to Fetish Nation, where, where Ian Rath and, and uh, Hi Eden Wells were, were shooting Fetish Nation. And Ashley was a friend of theirs. And they had me out. And they did the shooting for me tying up Ashley. You can see me almost go back into stutter right now, right? Thinking about it. Because I was the biggest school kid. I'm tying up Ashley Renee. Oh, my God. This is crazy. And there's follow-up stories to that that are kind of interesting, uh, how things progressed after that. But yeah, those are my two biggest inspirations and, and interesting people to meet. I had mentioned Ashley Renee and Darla Crane. I'll put Laurel Blake into that category. And some of the, you know, Jennifer West was in a, a league of, of her mm -hmm. own. But their expression could totally make the picture yes they they're love they have a love of it too i i don't know all of all about all the others but i'm guessing it goes across the board you're only going to do this stuff if you love it and and mm -hmm. ashley renee totally was a bondage loving submissive uh she ran her businesses tough and everything but even when she was talking stern to me she wouldn't make eye contact and she <laughs> And so, yeah, they all just loved it so much. And it was just an amazing thing. Have you ever met a gag you didn't like? <laughs> Only a loose one. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much. Yes, I. Uh, there's something about gagging that is absolutely special. I have a particular affinity for ball gags, but I like all kinds of gags. And I've uh, created new kinds of gags. And I love every kind of gagging scenario you can think of. And I'm constantly coming up with new ones. One of the other ones, one of the ones that I'm afraid to try, if you can believe that, is I learned the incredible shrinking hemp trick a long time ago. When, I, when we first learned it, it was because Maria Shadows went and got shot with someone who tied her up with hemp and then put her in a bathtub. And they find out, they think that what the rope is doing is shrinking, but what it's doing actually is swelling up and it swells up so much that you can't untie the knots anymore. Those people had to cut their expensive hemp rope to get her out of it. So I spend a lot of time teaching people that, be careful, if you get hemp wet, it's gonna do this and do it. And then I turned it around and use it against people. Now I tie people up medium tight spray them down and it tightens to ridiculously tight and i learned to make a monkey fist a long time ago and i want to make a monkey fist out of hemp that fits in some someone's mouth but i'm afraid it's going to swell up so much i can't get it out of their mouth yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so i haven't done that one yet but uh but every, yes, I I have a, a typically people think it's to be keep them quiet. I don't even know why my fetish for gags is so strong, but it's right up there. But there's something about a perfect red ball gag. It just 
I don't know what it is, but it almost makes somebody even more beautiful. I so so agree. We we, we spend a lot of our time trying to uh, justify our fetishes. And the reality of it is we have no idea. Uh, We can guess at certain things, and we don't really know why. But I have a few justifiable guesses that I've used through the years. And one of them is, is I can pass by a girl and go, oh, you have good ball gag lips. I can tell that I'm going to like those. That about. And so in the in the porn world, it's cocksucker lips. Mm. So is it because lips look good wrapped around something? <laughs> I'm not really sure. Uh, I, I don't know either. But yeah, there is. I was definitely imprinted by my first ball gag in porn, in, in, in the bondage magazines. Back when the bondage mm-hmm. was so horrible, there was a black girl. Like, so... I, I joke around that I have one of the worst memories in the world, except when it comes to bondage. When it comes to bondage, I'm almost like Rain Man level of memory. <laughs> I can take you back to early Superman with Lois Lane tied to a chair and tell you how she was tied. Every series I ever saw, and I've had it proven over and over again. I can remember all the little details. And this girl was laying on her back with her legs drawn up behind her and her arms boxed behind her. And she was a black girl that had big, fat, juicy lips. And she had a ball gag in deep. And for some reason, that stopped me right where I was. That look, the way it looked. And and that's what I've been striving for every time I put a ball gag in someone's mouth is that particular look. I like almost every look with a ball gag in their mouth. Uh, I have variances on a lot of people just like the biggest ball they can get in there. I like the ball that fits right for them and makes their lips look right. Too small, it hides inside. Too big, it makes the jaw extend too much. I like just the right size. And that that picture was what imprinted me at a, a fairly young age. I got to meet Enchantress Saray at FetishCon this year. And when it comes to a scene with a ball gag, there was one that she did with Elizabeth Andrews, uh, who uh, and had a latex leotard super shiny tights wasn't even wearing heels it was almost like wearing ballet slippers and the most perfect ball gag i'd ever seen which went beautifully with her incredibly short cropped hair she's got good and that vision is one of my favorite bondage scenes of all time and i got to tell her that in person Oh, that's wonderful and she was one of those people that was on my bucket list for the longest time. And it was Calissa Bliss who brought us nice. together and said, you all should meet nice. each other. And we became fast friends. It was great yeah. to not only understand just how amazing a bottom she was, but how talented a top she is and a rigor she is too. Yes. I, I like her a lot. She's done a few shoots with me. Uh, she hasn't been around for a while, but I always let her know I'm available. <laughs> <laughs> we talk so much about the, the um, dare I say, older models, the models of yesterday. Who are some of the models today that you just think have that classic feeling about them? Uh, most recently comes to mind... 
uh, the latest, hottest um, bondage model on the scene these days. One of the biggest is is Alba Zibon from Zibon from uh, Italy, and she has mm -hmm. all of those qualities of 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 a star right off the bat. Uh, everything about her, everything that she did, and we uh, I, I I got in touch with her uh, well before this fetish con. We'd been talking for a couple years online. And I actually taught her some bondage on Zoom. And we were just dying to get together. We knew we wanted to do something badly. And she finally made it over here. So we made plans. And I knew that I didn't want to just do one scene with her at FetishCon. And, and so I arranged for us to get together right after FetishCon to do a full day of shooting. And man alive, did she inspire me. Uh, the people around us were amazed. I was amazed. Uh, it went so incredibly well that I hadn't been struck like that for a long ass time uh, by, by someone. And <clears throat> the, one of the coolest parts of it was, was that first scene that we did put me for the very first time as the number one clip on all of Clips for Sale for just a couple minutes. And so it was a <laughs> magical time and I like her a lot and we're looking forward to get together more. Uh, there's several others out there, but I don't really even know everyone that's out there because I've been, uh, even with a new person, for the most part, I have to shoot with them several times before we relax enough to get good stuff. And and so I'm living in a place right now that doesn't have a lot of models available to me. So I catch the ones going by and getting through. There's a lot of them that I like right now. I like Little Miss Unique a lot. Uh, she's, she's a lot of fun and she ties up real good. Um, uh, one of my favorite people, and she does a bond of bondage, is Zona. Zona, Zona Bellum it was at our booth there a, a lot of time. Uh, but I guess there's probably no one that's inspired me more or was more of a muse than Drea Morgan, who I discovered in Florida in about 2010 or so. Uh, we spent a lot of time together and did a lot of things, and uh, we were a, a natural hookup for that, too. So I really like Drea. She's now back a little bit. She took a few years off, and she's back again doing a little bit here and there and more. But she, she was definitely one of my top favorites over the years. Um, specific names are really hard for my ADD brain to pull out because I have <laughs> uh, almost uh, no favorites in anything. I have many favorites mm -hmm. in everything. And so I feel like I'm doing some of my current models a disservice by not being able to pull their 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 name up to my head right now. But all of you out there who know me and have worked with me know that I love you. And and that's the key, the love yes, of it. It absolutely is. Yep. I want to talk about fashion or lack thereof. Because I'm one that loves seeing a bound woman in a catsuit, obviously. That's my name. Hi there, catsuit. It's, it's kind of yes. obvious. But there are some people who, without clothes, have a totally different personality when they get put in ropes. And there's a certain beauty that goes with the ropes in their skin. Do you have 
a preference as to whether you want somebody clothed or nude? And if you do, what's the reason for it? I do have very strong presence, uh, um, very, very strong preferences in, in that department, but it's a little bit different than the way you framed it. My preferences okay. are getting in their side their heads and finding out what they like best. So that I'm 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 dating someone now that, I, that is very new to the scene, Portia Everly. She's actually sitting here over to the side and while we're while we're talking, and I follow Portia on Instagram. There you go. That's right. There you go. There's her hand waving hi to you. Yes, and uh, she loves nude more than anything else. So I tie her as nude as often as I can. Other girls are self-conscious if they're completely nude. And even the tiniest thong bikini makes them more comfortable. So I'll go that way. Some have a preference mm -hmm. like you of the shiny stuff wearing it all the time. And so I do the things I want with them. And I do the things they want with them. And we make a happy family. And we get back together again. I make a point of the only thing I really insist on on any kind of shoot is us having a good time. Mm -hmm. Nothing else works for me. Has there ever been a, what you would call a unique canvas that you've done your rope on? Let's see. Unique. Uh, there's been a couple little things where I tied up someone's tattoos. Or they had a tattoo that was interesting for me and I framed it with bondage or put rope in key spots on their body. Uh, let's see what else. Uh, it's when they come to me with special desires that makes it fun. Uh, we're dying to get some of uh, some of the people who like water so much. Uh, Portia is one of them. A, uh, a a nice mermaid tail, and I have lots of things I want to do to mermaids. <laughs> and my friend Carissa Dumont would love to talk to you about that I bet so lots of things like that uh, I'm inspired by uh, by the desires of the people I work with and I I love almost every every genre of bondage that there is some don't make me hard some make me hard in different ways uh, there's a and there's a buzz associated to every genre that I play in there's an artistic buzz, and I get everybody charged up about how to make a better creation. Uh, there's a, a damsel in distress buzz where we want to we want to make the CNC stuff happen as much as we can. Uh, there's a yeah, so there's a buzz for every form of it, and I like every form of it. We have some more buzz to talk uh -huh. about when we come back on What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want with Lou Rubens, our guest. We're presented by Dating Kinky with special thanks to kinkstermerch.com. Connect with the show on social media. Follow us on Twitter, because that's what we still call it, at WhatWomenWantP1. On Instagram, as long as they don't suspend us, at What Women Want Podcast. On Pinkster, at What Women Want Podcast. And on FetLife, as WWW Podcast. And if you want to follow our host, that's easy, as they are Hi There Catsuit on all platforms. We'd love to hear from you, so be sure to reach out. Now, some more words with Catsuit's friends. Thank you.
Welcome to the Yoniverse. I'm Scarlett. And I'm Anya. The Flaming Yoni podcast is a celebration of the beautiful and unique expressions of female sexuality. From asexual to megasexual, from lifelong monogamy to relationship anarchy, from deep spiritual bonds of sacred union to spur of the moment flames. It is all infused with Yoni energy. Search for the Flaming Yoni on your favorite podcast platform. You will not leave the same as when you came. Sexual Equanimity by Podophilius. This is a wonderful story of overcoming adversity in which the character's story begins in a world of chaos and despair and ends in a joyous sense of mental release and understanding. Sexual Equanimity is a must-read for anyone struggling with feelings of shame and guilt as a result of their wants, needs and desires. Zane's story will resonate with many submissive males whose stories echo Zane's own and provides great insight and clarity. Make sure this book is on your reading list and ensure you don't miss out. It may just change your life. An enthralling read that combines mental health and healing with kink. The ultimate submissive man's bible. Also, don't forget to give our Rumble channel a follow at Chasm Podcast. Yo, this is Podophilius. Sexual Equanimity is now available to purchase as a paperback and a ebook on my website, which is www.podophilius.com. Alternatively, you can purchase the Kindle edition, which can be found on Goodreads and Amazon. Are you curious about kink but don't know where to begin? Or maybe you have a friend who, while they appreciate your interest in BDSM, they don't really understand what it's all about. You should check out Kink for the Curious. It's a fun little activity book with color pages and word finds, lots of silly puns, (laughs) Uh, but lots of solid BDSM and kink information written by somebody who's been in the business for almost 30 years. King for the Curious, a BDSM activity book for beginners, written by Princess Natasha Strange, and that's me, <laughs> is available on Amazon. Go get it now. Hi, this is Venus, and I have a special message going out to all the single ladies listening right now. What if you could have a committed, loving relationship with a partner who is monogamous to you, but who would love to see you have sexual experiences with others? Sounds too good to be true, right? Well, it's not. You really can have your cake and eat it too. You can have it all. Learn more at venusconnections.com. That's venusconnections.com. I'm Dr. Allison Ash, intimacy coach and educator and the founder of Turn On Love. And I am delighted to be offering my sexual and emotional intimacy skills master course in January. This is an eight week virtual live instruction course. All classes are recorded for folks who can't attend live. We're going to dive into a ton of experiential skills, science-based data, and practices to help you create and sustain the level of emotional and sexual intimacy that you want in your lives. Care to join us? Use the promo code WWWPODCAST for $50 off. You can find out more about this course and my other offerings at www.turnon.love.
Thank you for joining us. Please show your support of the show by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform and leaving us a rating and review. You can also subscribe to our video channel at youtube.com slash at what women want podcast. And to financially support the show, which we greatly appreciate, please visit bit.ly slash thanks catsuit and give what you can to help catsuit travel, teach, and bring you great in-person interviews. We very much appreciate it. This is Milky, and Dating Kinky has brought you this podcast since day one. We believe in great education for our community, and this is just one of our efforts. Please join us at Dating Kinky, built by kinksters for kinksters, poly, queer, trans folk, and anyone not quite vanilla, and it's free. Back on the program with Lou Rubens, just a legendary bondage artist. But as I said earlier in the show, I got to meet you at FetishCon. What does that gathering mean to you every year? FetishCon, let's see. I started doing FetishCons a long time ago. I I guess the, one of the biggest parts is that it is the world's only event for bondage producers and models. Uh, it's, it celebrates the industry. And anytime you're in a group where you have a lot more in common with the people that are there, uh, it, it, it makes a stronger uh, affiliation. Uh, we all learn from each other along the way. We suffer the, the same tricky spots and happy spots and everything else. And it's just because it's I've been going for so many years, uh, it, it's like family a lot of times, the people that show up. You know, some come and some go. But uh, uh, to give you an idea, uh, there's many of us that meet on Wednesday uh, for an official, an unofficial party for those long timers. And we all hang out on that Wednesday before everything really gets going for the event. And I've, I've got old friends that, uh, that that show up every time. And uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a close knit family of people that have a lot in common uh, and and. And the, the same things go on at it is as as maybe consumer electronics, uh, mom's knitting mm -hmm. circles. All the problems and joys are the same in the top of every genre, and uh, we all have lots to learn from each other. And it's just it's a comfortable place, uh, and 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 people know who I am there too. Even at BDSM events, they don't all the time, and it's very humbling in a lot of cases. Uh, several years back, I had a big stomach problem right before the event. Uh, I'd already come down and had a big stomach, such a bad enough stomach problem that I went into ER. Before I got out of ER, four to six hours later, there was two cards signed by hundreds of people that they brought me before I even left there. Wow. Is that crazy? It gives me goosebumps it's still. Like, it's like home. Yes. Absolutely. So, yep. And for me, a home I never had. When somebody comes by your booth and you could tell they're just into this and you see their eyes and you see that their world has just changed. What do you like to tell them? All the good things I can to keep them that way and keep them happy. 
uh, one of the favorite things that I hear, and it's it's way more often than I would have ever expected, is, Lou, I've been following for years. You inspired me to come out of the closet. That's beautiful, beautiful words. It's uh, I, I grew up being the, the the shy little scared person and uh, finally found all my people. And I believe that they probably feel about the same way. And I have a lot in common with them. And I try to show them that right away. Uh, Ivan and Boulder came to the second Bond Con in New York in 2002 and came in a, a full suit, old tie and everything. And uh, and he caught me there and, and talked to me. And I didn't even think about him for years after that. But his story is that I'm one of the few that was down to earth and gave him the time of day and spent time talking to him. And I automatically just assume everyone was like me and had a lot of problems and a lot of hiding it. And I do everything I can to make them feel good about their kink and uh, keep them coming back. One of my absolute favorite people in this world is Temptress Raven Eve, who lives up by me. We have done two video podcasts together. And I remember when I talked to her about beginning and she talked about that first fetish con, she went down and she talked about meeting Ivan Boulder in you. <laughs> And that her love of the entire world just opened up. And while she enjoyed being the rope person that she was for you all, her evolution into this person she is now, I'm, I'm just in awe every time I talk to her. But she talked about you and Ivan with such reverence, and I got a chance to meet Ivan for the first time this year. I did want to take a little time in this episode to let you talk about Ivan, because I know he's having a rough time and can use a little help. And I just wanted you to be able to talk about him because he is a remarkable man for sure. I appreciate that. I really do, because I'm trying hard to help one of my best friends. Um, he had, had a lot of little odds and ends hit him all at once that almost nobody sh should be able to survive. And he is surviving and we're hoping to help him survive even longer. But I, I said in that little GoFundMe thing that I did for him, uh, it's the thing that I've been telling everybody forever. I, I called Ivan the John Wayne, bo 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 Ivan the bond John Wayne of the bondage world, because he's mm -hmm. completely dependable. He's honest to a fault. He will tell you right where you stand, and I just trust him. You can trust everything that he does and says, and uh, and I just I, I love him madly. And he's one of the best people around. He's the reason I'm in North Carolina right now. I knew I wanted to leave Washington State. I wanted to go somewhere. I didn't want to go back to Florida because it's too hot for my Eskimo ass. And uh, <laughs> so I came here and we became partners down here and got closer than 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 we ever had before. And uh, and and he's run into some things that were even stronger than him. And we're doing everything we can to try to help them through it. 
and uh, I'm gonna. Sh I won't. I, I'm a horrible businessman. I don't even uh, promote myself as much as I should. But I want to promote this in any way that I possibly can for people to to look for his GoFundMe. Contact me if you need to. I'm easy to find. You can you can Google my name anywhere, and. Uh, I, I, I want to get everybody on board I can to help save one of the most uh, amazing people on the planet that I know. That's simply beautiful, Lou. It genuinely is. Your love for Ivan, your love for the people that you have come across, your love for this wonderful industry, your love for what you do, it shows in everything that you do. I am so glad I got a chance to meet you at FetishCon a couple of years ago. And I'm so glad I finally talked you into doing the podcast. Well, I'm very happy to be here. And I had a feeling from the beginning conversation that we had that it, this could go well. And it went way beyond my expectations. I really enjoyed this. Uh, I've, I've done a lot of podcasts. And I never once repeated one of the typical question comedy routines that I've built up from that. And I kind of like that. I like being pushed to my limits too. And you put me on the edge a couple times and it's made me very happy. I enjoyed this way more than I was expecting to. Thank you for having me. I so enjoyed talking with Lou. He seems like such a lovely man. And the thing that I love the most is he has this love for what we love. If he didn't have that kind of love, he couldn't have done the art that he has brought to all of us over the years. Lou Rubens, indeed an inspiration for us all. Have you missed an episode or want to catch up on our nearly 200 episodes? All our shows are available in the archives. And here's what's coming up on the next edition of what Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, presented by Dating Kinky. It's our 200th episode with the legendary Los Angeles dominatrix who's been a mainstay of the profession through six different decades. She shares her history, her thoughts on the evolution of fetish with us. From one of the first issues of Bondage Life through her work today, Mistress Stephanie Locke is nothing short of an icon. And she is our guest for show number 200 next time. New shows premiere every Tuesday on your favorite podcast platform. Subscribe to the show and never miss an episode. What a celebration it will be. Episode number 200 with Mistress Stephanie Locke coming up in number 201, the Chicago Mistress Simone and in 202, Porcelain Midnight. We have a great lineup of guests and we are setting up a great lineup for 2024, which looks to be our biggest year ever because we have a lot of video interviews coming up for you too. From Minnesota, it's the amazing Mistress Riley and the one and the only Jean Bardot. Those coming up very soon. Special thanks to the wonderful people at Dating Kinky and Nookie Notes for being our presenter for all these 199 episodes going into 200. And to our friend Mistress Kai at kinkstermerch.com or kinkstermerch on Etsy 
where you can shop the entire range of items inspired by our show. I'm John, also known as Hi There Catsuit. I hope I've earned the privilege of your time. And I remind you to always remember consent and to love each other always. What women and other wonderful humans want connects with you. Join us on Twitter at WhatWomenWantP1, on Instagram at WhatWomenWantPodcast, and for our kinky friends on FetLife at www.podcast. This has been a presentation of Dating Kinky, built by kinksters for kinksters, poly, queer, trans folk, and anyone not quite vanilla. And it's free.